2: Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hi there, and
1: welcome to The Inevitable. This is our new podcast where we're talking about the future of the car. This means everything from electrified vehicles to cars that drive themselves where are we going and how will we get there? I'm Johnny Lieberman from Motor Trend, joined by
0: Ed Lowe and we are going to talk to some amazing guests. We have Reggie Watts, we have Sung Kang, we have James Marsden, we have Spike Ferriston, Kristen Lee, Derek Jenkins, a whole bunch of actors, celebrities, car crazy folks,
1: people from in and outside the industry. It's going to be great and you can find it on podcastone.com or anywhere you find you listen to your favorite podcast. We're also doing. A video series as well. That's on motortrend.com/ the inevitable or on youtube.com slash Come join us.
2: Hey guys, welcome to Carcast. This week we're gonna talk about uh, what's going on in the auction world, new noble noble, uh, some updates on the Jaguar F pace, and a new car that I purchased. Well, new to me. All coming up, but first, Geico.
1: Hey Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting. You want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you've got so much to do already. Go to GEICO.com. Get a quote. See just how much you could save at GEICO. That is GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. <laughs>
2: Welcome to Carcast. I'm Matt the moderator. DeAndre here with Bill Goldberg. Good morning, sir. How are you?
0: I always hear that and I put my foot on the floor like
2: a pistol. <laughs> <wobble. laughs> because of the sound. Um, all right. Well, we are we're into it. I'm getting uh I'm getting ready to do some uh, some Barrett Jackson stuff. I uh, gotta go there to set up some Bravago stuff, come back here. Do a SEMA conference, go back in the podcast, and then go back there for the the, the prime time auction stuff. I'm expecting big things. If you've been watching the auction world, I mean, Meekum just set a world record over 200, something like 217 million dollars done in a single auction. Uh, bring a trailer had a crazy year. Total sales was something like 825 million dollars of sales through Bring a Trailer. These it's just going nuts. It's, it's going a combination
0: on. of everything, right? You know, used car prices are up. Uh, the end of the end of a combustible engine. I mean, it's COVID. It's people are freaking. It's everything is contributing to all. I saw a demon that almost went for two hundred grand.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, so the prices of those are even up. But I I think that you're going to see some world. Wrap. I mean, I saw sixty four hundred grand sixty nine Camaro go. L eighty eight car
2: at yeah. Yeah. I
0: mean, I, it's, it's crazy.
2: I mean, Everything's crazy. There was a there was like a, a C10 truck, really nice well done hot rod. Um you know, pretty pretty much what you'd expect that you'd see, you know, like you got a got good set of billet wheels, billet steering wheel, blah blah blah. But built built really well, really nice, really clean. Uh and I think it was $300,000 that meek and I'm like, I like the C10 trucks. They're fucking cool trucks, but $300,000. I mean, geez.
0: But, but on the on the flip side of that, yeah. Yeah, I know you take note of this because I saw your new purchase. But I, not necessarily because this falls into it. But <clears throat> there are a lot of there are a lot of bargains too. You know there 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 are a, there are a number. Of, I mean, whether it be a a Brabus Mercedes right. or yeah, a, yeah. A, you know like a mid nineties Jaguar that's got two thousand miles on it. I mean you could still go there and have a lot of fun and not break the
2: bank. Yeah. You you have to, you're right. Probably go like the Tuesday morning or the Wednesday morning of the auction and try to pick out some of the cars that uh, aren't so, so high profile. (laughs)
0: Yeah. You you do that with a hoodie on. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You got to hide, you got to hide yourself for sure. But, uh, you know, like you said, a lot of factors are, are, are going one, um, for those that do collector car financing, uh, super low interest rates are still happening right now, but they're start starting to increase. Yeah. Uh, the availability of new cars, especially things that are higher-end, limited production, if you can get them at all, there's crazy markups. I was just talking to a guy that bought the new BMW M5 CS, the limited edition one. Uh, I think... I. I, th- I thought it was a crazy conversation because we hate markups and the whole process. He's like, I paid 30000 over markup. I'm like, why Ooh. are you bragging? Why are you bragging about that? And you're ruining it for everybody else, 30000 over markup. $30,000, uh i am sorry, over a sticker on that car. I get it. It's a cool car, but it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, <clears throat> I get it's a limited production, which definitely, you know, better paying 30000 over a on a BMW M5 CS than 10,000 over sticker on a Kia Telluride, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> but, but I don't know, man, it's going to take a while to get that back. If you ever get that back, I don't think you will, but listen, if he, to me, he, to he me it's, it, like, it's fine. Yeah.
0: To me, it's like they're, paid, they're, they're basically just buying a car at auction.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, it, it's weird. It's kind of, we've weird. already a markup
0: on it and, and there's a list. For, I just, I don't get it. I mean, I, I, I get it, but I don't get it. It's just, it's wrong. It's, it's wrong. Yeah. Period. End of story. Um,
2: yeah. So a uh, couple of things of the car news. I don't know if you guys have follow, got kind of like the spy photos and stuff that are coming out. We say that there are spy photos and, and, you know, we've got some friends that, that take those photos, but you understand that the car companies kind of bring these cars out on some level to leak it a little bit. You know,
0: because if they to didn't come want, up with a new term,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. If they didn't want to leak it, then you would never have this spy photos, <laughs> right? It would just be undercover. I mean, on some level, the four GT, the most recent four GT, when they redid that, and they you know they claimed that we did it in our skunk works. It was in the basement of the building or whatever. Although it was just in another room, but they never really like took it out with a body or anything and said, "Hey, we're teasing this thing for the most part," right? Not till really later. And there's uh, a reason.
1: For everything.
2: And and so they did hide it, and they got it to work, you know? Uh, Anyway, the point is, Bronco Raptor, we've seen it on the streets with the camouflage on it, the wider fenders, the, you know... uh, the, the size and width of it. Um, and now we're starting to see the interior pieces. Uh, they covered up a lot of a badging on the interior steering wheel badge and things like that to imply that there's going to be some sort of Raptor-specific type of badging going on. But I think the standout thing is the paddle shifters, which isn't normal in the in these vehicles. So um, it does give it a bit of a a – performance aspect of it too right sort of the high speed off-road easy to yeah. shift yeah
0: it would seem to be it would, it would be great uh for rock crawling for that vehicle
2: yeah that that it as well great. i guess high speed and and low speed stuff has your you're definitely holding on um anyway it looks cool i'm excited to see it i'm seeing more and more of these on the road out here uh, I know you're 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 getting texts. You're getting a little sneak peek of what's going on. It's no secret yeah, if, that uh, any,
0: any parents out there, if you're ever <laughs> uh, in a situation to where you get a picture emailed to you of the car that you purchased for your son and or daughter, <laughs> um, don't email to them while they're at school. Yeah, yeah. It causes way too much shit going on.
2: <laughs> right, <laughs> the dumbest
0: thing ever. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um yeah so uh they're building ford's building gauges bronco uh and they sent you basically they off the
0: assembly line today they sent me the stock photo of it
2: yeah they sent you photo
0: going through and i sent it right to him you know hey i was excited
2: yeah <laughs> you should yeah. be excited after school is out <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Timing is everything. And in this case, I.
2: Yeah, that's on you. But it looks fantastic. That's, that's going to be exciting for you guys uh, to get that. And then uh, good luck. Good luck reeling him in.
0: That's a whole other conversation. It's, it's, we don't it's, have time on this podcast.
2: Yet. Yeah, I know. But now you get into this and world. And that's of another being, podcast. I, I'd say I, you'd get into this world of sort of like negotiating, like, this is what the vehicle means. And all, you know, like, you know, if. If you don't screw anything up and don't, you know, don't get caught being a sixteen-year-old <laughs> with, the with a new car, then uh, then then you know you get to keep your cell phone. You get to go out with your friends, and, and then we slowly we chip away on those things. <laughs> yeah, the
0: problem is having you know being in the, the automobile industry and having great connections and having them you know want to chip in and enhance this beautiful vehicle uh but you know I, I need to make this kid work for bumpers and work for tires and work for wheels and work for lights and work for doors and you know stuff like that it just starts showing up yeah which i'm very thankful for and richard again from magnaflow you know is going to hook him up uh, along with others but yeah it's uh it's kind of, it's a conundrum as a as a as a parent but, yeah you know it's good man you only live once and uh the fact is that if he screws it up, I'll burn it right in front of him. So,
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, just send it out here. I'll take care of it for you. I'll take yeah. care of it for you. You know, listen, S
0: video or something. There like
2: is a, over
0: the new garage.
2: There is no shortage of chores to do out there on the ranch.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, and with the garage going up, you know, at breakneck pace, then, uh yeah, there's a shitload of stuff for him to do yeah. out there, right? That I find myself doing, but
2: right. All right. Well, he's 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 a good kid. He'll get it. He'll get it done. Crack the whip. Yeah, he he's he'll get it done. Uh, all right. So move it along. Um, Jaguar F-Pace. This is an SUV that we've always liked. It's a good looking SUV, but one of the things we've griped about with Jaguar for for years is the infotainment system just incredibly slow, incredibly buggy. Uh, I, I know when, when Adam was driving, he had the Jag SUV for a while as well, and <laughs> his house is like it's up on a hill, and the garage is there. So you you can back out, and you kind of can make like a three-point turn and drive down the hill, or you can just – Pull out and back out and back all the way down the hill. Like if you're good, you can get it done. And Adam is like, I just don't get why this the system is slow. He goes, I open the garage, fire up the car, I back out, drive down the hill, and by time that rear view camera even kicks on, I'm down the hill. So it was useless <laughs> for when I needed it. <laughs> and I've been up, the, I've seen this. You know, I've been there a, a, a bunch of times. It's a steep hill, and there's kind of like a. Like a rock wall on either side, you know. So a little distraction, you can nick one of those things, or or at at the very least, you're gonna you're gonna run into the trash cans and fire those things down down the down the hill. And uh, anyway, it's just one of those little things. where like, I just don't get why it doesn't kick on earlier. Most it I, a I delay think,
0: in the system, or it's a it, it's a reception issue.
2: No, it's a delay in the system. It's just just the way. I don't know if it's a chip issue or a software issue or whatever. Which is anyway, the Jag basically wanted to start over on the whole system, so they've been rolling out um, the their new system across the line in pretty much all of their cars. Uh, I forgot what it was called. It was called like Pivi Pro, Pivi Pro, P I V I, which is their new infotainment system. Uh, I don't know if it's hardware and software or a combination of both, but um, uh, I just meant the guts of it obviously the screen is different but long story short the new upgraded uh f pace um, looks good interesting engine options but the new 11 point4 inch screen it kind of is in the dash it's not quite like a giant iPad on the dash it's kind of in a little bit it's kind of half and half um, but it's got a you know it's got a better look to it and the system seems to really work well light years better and and faster and smarter. And that's kind of the one thing that it really needed. The design was there. The engines were there, the handling, the comfort, the luxury, all the pieces were there. So I, I kind of see this as like another interesting contender in, uh, in the, you know, sort of the small, the midsize SUV range. I, I always thought it was a good looking vehicle.
0: So you thought the inf. So you think the infotainment system doesn't put it in that category?
2: It does. I, I, I think it does.
0: It so shitty that it, that its driving performance didn't. Well, weigh out. It, you know?
2: it had all of the other elements already involved, and the infotainment system was kind of a deal killer. And unfortunately, I hate to say this about the Audi. Wow. But the Audi. That system on the Audi where it jams on the brakes, like when it senses a car coming toward you. If you're yeah. trying to make a left-hand turn, kind of in front of traffic in yeah. LA, there's so much traffic, and you know you, you're always want to like kind of pull out yeah, the intersection and make off that off left off turn. Yeah, it's just like, and then it jams on the brakes. I go, that's a deal killer for me. I've driven those cars, and multiple times it jams on the brake halfway through the intersection. You're like. Shit, I'm gonna die! And you're hitting the gas. You're trying to get the goddamn thing to go, and you know eventually it goes. But it, you know, it it
0: scares the shit able to out of you. That. Yeah, you got to be able to supersede that.
2: I I don't know if it's a fuse you can pull or something like that, but it was it's it's a deal killer. Like I. There's no way I would buy that car without knowing for sure that I can get in there and pull a fuse on it or somehow get into the system preferences and turn that off or at least I don't know maybe back down the sensitivity a certain like I have no idea what you can do on it but uh you know Audi had it um a uh, Bentley has it and you know a friend had the Bentley SUV went to the dealer several times this is driving me nuts it's going to kill me every time i make a left hand turn you know in front of cars it hits the brakes in the middle of the intersection and the Bentley dealer for for this guy was unable to turn it off um doesn't mean you can't turn it off just means they couldn't figure it out and he just straight up sold it. He's like, Fuck since it. when
0: are you going to listen to it? deep?
2: Yeah. <laughs> but I listen, mean, I, I get it though. He's like, I spent a lot of money on, on the Bentley Bentayga, you know, and it's going to kill me in this intersection, turn this feature off. And they're like, we can't, it is what it is. And he brought it there. I Probably don't know, a two or three times.
0: Or a, uh, an insurance issue with the dealers. You know, I'm sure that if he waived his warranty, <laughs> Uh, or, or just what? tell him how to do it. What's
2: that? Yeah, or just tell him how to do it. Just go, oh, we, yeah. we can't they, do it, but there they, is a way, you know? And they kept saying there was no way it can be done. So he traded it in for a Rolls-Royce.
0: <laughs> well, good for him. <laughs> that, yeah. wants, so Wanda's got a Range Rover. And, you know, um, yeah. on, on my TRX, I'm able to... Turn off the automatic start. You know the thing that at a stop sign or stoplight or whatever. Yeah, yeah you know, the start stop. Yeah, which is bullshit. I yeah. can't stand. So in Wanda's car, I came up. I come up with a solution. You know, uh, you can go to a bar and uh, pay 25 cents and you, you put it in the uh, punching bag and you press the button and the punching bag comes down, just have one of those come down from your <laughs> rear view mirror.
2: Yeah.
1: And if you
0: can't press that thing quick enough, then you press the button up there, wham, <laughs> and you get your system, and then you go
2: right back right to the button. Then you go right back to it, yeah.
0: The only way I figured it
2: out. You know, you know? Uh, that's an interesting point. So you might want to look, about, look into this on the Range Rover because um, it's the same... JLR. Figured, yeah. Jaguar Lane it. Rover is yeah. Adam had it too. And there was a fuse. We pulled the fuse on it and uh, on that start stop feature, pull the fuse on it because you're right. Once you turn it off in the vehicle, every time you restart the vehicle, it oh. defaults back to the on position and I
0: put my fist through the infotainment.
2: System. Yeah. Right. Well, that one would be fine. Uh, yeah. So we pulled the fuse on it and it just turned off that system. It's fine. And again, you, you're the owner of the car. This is for you. This isn't really a safety issue. This is just a little bit of a fuel mileage issue. I would argue the longer a, a stoplight is, and the oil drips down to the pan, it 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 kind of starts to it contribute to the wear and tear of the engine. You know, so uh, who knows? Um. Anyway, the Jag is nice. I like it. I'm glad they fixed this issue, and I think it's going to do well for them. Uh, the other thing that came up is. Okay is a uh, Ford Ranger. So Ford introduced the Ranger Splash. I don't know, it's orange, it's got the weird stripes and all kinds of stuff on it, but
0: That's a model?
2: Yeah, it's a trim level. It's just a trim level because oh, okay. the Ranger Splash was was a trim model that they had like, I don't know, in the 90s, early 90s.
0: Is sponsored by Sunkist or something. You know, or? and
2: it was the trucks were like yellow and orange, and it had kind of this like splash graphic on it. It was a little gimmick. It was very beachy. It's very like South Florida ish, where I lived at the time, right? So it was kind of popular around around then. Uh, but the the Ranger Splash doesn't have to have that those colors and trim to it. It's a it's a trim package. So they're doing a couple of limited edition. Uh, versions of it of uh of these color packages and they're actually really kind of good there's one called the snow edition it's it's exclusive to the lariant trim level on the ranger and it's uh it's basically like an avalanche gray not too different than my fighter jet gray on my truck on my on my mach one it's probably a little darker and it has some body colored accents in a grill um Black leather, carbon fiber pattern uh, panels, uh, gray stitching. So it's a nice package. I think they expect this one to be the most popular, they're, but they're still only going to make 750 So if you are looking for a cool color and something maybe a little bit limited, just a little bit unique, you know that not everyone's going to have it. It's not going to be 500,000 Rangers with this on it. You can get that first come- uh, the Ranger's been out for a few No, years.
0: The, that package. It's coming out is now. The,
2: no, it's it's not it's gonna come
0: out in the spring. So they never had it back in the day. It's not a retro bring back or anything like that.
2: No, I don't think this is. It's a. it's not not for this color combination or how they're doing this trim model. So um Yeah, and that's only on the Lariant package. Then they're doing one called the Forest Edition. It's a forest green. It's gonna be on the xlt trim package it's going to be a forest green and has these little red accents in the front grille, which actually look pretty cool uh same interior as the snow edition but with cloth instead of leather so it's a little bit less expensive version and it's going to be limited to 500 units so again a little bit limited and then yeah,
0: everything's limitless.
2: yeah and then the last one is the Sand Edition, and it's got kind of this desert sand kind of uh, you, you know khaki color, I guess you can go, you could say, and um, that's similar to the Forest Edition on the XLT package, and it is also 500 units. So I don't know if you're looking for a Ranger, these packages are 1495, by the way, uh, 1495 bucks. Uh, so if you want something that's a little bit limited, but uh, it's it's an interesting move because there's a new Ranger coming out soon in the next year or so. So to do a couple of limited edition versions, we this is what the car companies do, right? Let's do a couple limited <coughs> versions to get another little pop in sales or make the car Ooh. a little uh, unique or a little exclusive. And then we well, roll especially out. Especially when new
0: you're one. bringing out a new model.
2: Yeah, when you're bringing out a new model, of course. Listen, the, the, make
0: this a little bit to get it off your showroom.
2: But they look good and you know the data on on the Rangers is is favorable so it's looking uh it's looking good. Um the other thing was Noble, right? I remember Noble being as not like a kit car but a little way like superformance was like you know like you buy the car and then you got to buy the engine and stuff and then you you technically you assemble it yourself and you figure out the registration and stuff for it. So uh, the guy, it's his last name I forgot his first name something Noble created the company <coughs> and then sold it. And uh, it's a it's a British company. And for a while they've had since like 2010 they've had the Noble M600 I believe. Uh, a cool car, you know, big power. I don't know, like 600 650 horsepower fast a little raw a little race oriented um, probably about 275,000 bucks somewhere around there close to 300,000 um, but they've they're releasing this um, lesser expensive model the the M500 interesting it's got an EcoBoost V6 but not just any EcoBoost V6 it's basically it's based off the 4GT. EcoBoost v- V6. So, probably somewhere around the 550 horsepower mark, like the GT, uh, 600 pound feet of torque. Um, the M600 is a full carbon fiber body. The M500 is like a fiberglass resin combination type of body, gets the pricing down to about 200, 206,000. But what's interesting is, is if you want this the smaller car, and you want to spend more money, you can get the carbon fiber body as an option. So it probably brings you up another twenty or thirty thousand bucks. It could probably gets you into that 250, 240, 250 range. Um, but it is—it's uh, pretty lightweight, twenty seven hundred and fifty six pounds. It should do zero to sixty in about three and a half seconds. It'll knock on the door of two hundred miles an hour. Um, I guess if you want to cut a little weight, you can spend the money and get the carbon fiber body. Um, It looks interesting. It's meant to be more streetable than the M600, you know, just a little bit more shoulder room, a little bit easier to get in and out of, a little less racy all around. But I don't know. I mean, it's a special car, it's a unique car. I, I don't really know how the registration works on it, but they sell them as turnkey cars. I think because, by the way, the entire company, Noble, is eight people. They build these cars by hand, eight people. You know? Um and I'll uh, you
0: know that when, when we had Bull Run the yeah. first year, we blew a noble up on the track. <laughs> <laughs> but prior to blowing it up, and I can't remember the specifics, I don't think it was major, but prior to blowing it up, I must vouch for the fact that it is not only freaking tiny, but it handles like a like it's on rails.
2: Yeah, I just see it as like an interesting kind of limited production version of like a Lotus, you know, kind of small. It was a cool car, yeah, you know? It's a cool car. Yeah. It's a cool
0: car. It's a cool, it would be a cool track. I mean, I don't, know. for that much money, I mean, it, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of it's, change.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of money. But I bring it up because it's actually cool looking. It, 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 look, the M600 that's been out for, you know, 10, 12 years. It's okay. It's it's it looks cool. This new version looks more like a supercar less like for lack of a better term kit car. car. <laughs> I don't want to say kit car with these guys cuz it's not that. Um but
0: it's far it's, from a kit car.
2: Yeah. I, yeah, I, it's, it's it's not, but it had a little bit of that look to it. Um yeah. and the new car, I I tell you, the new car is actually very pretty. Imagine the profile, the side and the vents on the sides has a McLaren MP4-12C, right? It's got a lot of that design in it. And then the front has some McLaren, but would imagine like McLaren MP4-12C but with Ferrari 488 headlights. You know, like something yeah. like that is yeah, is, right. is kind of what it what it looks like. So, um anyway, it's it's interesting. It's I don't know how many they're going to make. I'm sure they're limited on how many they can make per year.
0: Because, they're not made for players.
2: Yeah, it, it's the limitation isn't like necessarily just how you register the car. It's there's no airbags and no ABS brakes. So this is kind of like a super Performance car, like one of their Cobras or Daytonas or uh, Ariel Atom, or you know, just like a, a few of these small car companies that when they limit their production and whatever the rules they need to abide by, they don't have to do like airbags and crash testing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, so again, not, not a kit car is a turnkey car. It's built. It's, you know, it's tested to some extent, but they don't have to crash, you know, five of these things and g- get all the official ratings and all that stuff. You know, so there's, th- there's a reason why, you know, cars like, Koenigsegg and Bugatti, you know, are a million bucks. It's because they're limited oh, yeah. production, incredible amount of technology and performance, and yes, they have to smash a bunch of these things, <laughs> you know, and 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 do all kinds of testing to get them to get them uh uh you know, street legal. Speaking of, I read a thing about um Bugatti and Rimac and they they got their company they got their company all in order right bugatti uh, rimac has taken over bugatti the so they have they formed themselves a new parent group called the rimac group the rimac group is going to own bugatti rimac they're going to own 55% of bugatti rimac and porsche will own of Bugatti Rimac. So the Bugatti side of the business is partly owned by Porsche and the Rimac Group. But separately, the Rimac Group owns 100% of Rimac technology that makes the other Rimac cars and then develops the battery technology and all the kind of the cool shit that makes the Rimac electric car a beast. So that's going to be 100% owned by the Rimac Group. And then the Rimac group owns 55% of Bugatti Rimac. Um, but I, I think there's going to be some really cool technology transfer going on. I think they giving them some autonomy on how they can run their their cars and then some input from Porsche on the Bugatti side, it's, it's well, interesting. Yeah, it seems interesting. For sure. Say that again? It's going to
0: do nothing but help both of them progress.
2: Yeah, I listen. Uh, this guy uh, Mate Rimac, I think that's his name. Super smart guy. I think he was um, he was a Koenigsegg guy. I think he was like an early Koenigsegg guy, or or he's he he knows uh, Koenigsegg pretty well. And you know, Christian von Koenigsegg is like I'm a fan. Like he's a smart guy. He's done a hell of a lot, and like he's only like 35 years old, Rimac. You know. Jeez. And, and uh, you know he's running these companies. He's an incredible engineer, uh, and he seems to be getting it done. And listen, the uh, the CEO of, of Rivian, you know, young guy, smart guy, you know, built himself, you know, almost a hundred billion dollar company right now, turning out trucks. Uh, you know, I, I, I I'm a fan of this as well, right? This is a a young, smart entrepreneur, and on some level a. a You know, I imagine a a nerdy engineer and uh, is getting it getting it done, you know, Um, and other veteran companies, if you will, like Porsches and Amazons and Fords and stuff are not blowing these guys off. They're not like, hey, you're 33. Come back to me when you're 53. You know, they're like, I'm listening. I'm listening. Let's let's get it done. You know, so uh, I kind of like that they're doing that. Um, Interesting, interesting stuff. So that's kind of what's going on in the car news except for me. So there's a car that – I'm not going to give you the speeches about the Fox Body Mustangs and my love of the Fox Body Mustang and my 93 Cobra. Everyone knows about it. Right. So we've all heard it a million times. But there was – just before the 93 Mustang Cobra, there was another special edition Fox Body that uh, I always thought was very, very cool. It was called the SAC Mark One, S A A C M K S-A-A-C-M-K-1, and it was the Shelby American Automobile Club. The, the Shelby Club owned a company that was building cars. I say build, and to you and me and a lot of people listening, it's kind of a tuner car, right? It's kind of what you would see from like a Celine or a Steeda or a Hennessy. Um, but they were registered as a manufacturer and effectively got to do their own window stickers and 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 the VINS that were on the cars were assigned to them as a manufacturer. So, although yes, it is a Ford Mustang on paper, it is a SAC Mark Mark One, right? So it's kind of unique, and they worked with Ford on this and. Ford at the time, Ford's motorsport catalog um, was SVO. And the SVO parts, they went to – SAC went to them, and they kind of threw the catalog at them and said, uh, we're going to do an engine and heads package, GT40 heads, GT40 intake, 65-millimeter throttle body, ceramic-coated headers, underdrive pulleys. Also, we're going to do some stuff on the suspension – and we're going to do five lug uh, conversion on on the the wheels on the on the on on the uh, axles and and hubs and all that stuff, and do a, a five lug wheel. Doing four wheel disc brake, and then on the interior, they did a lot more leather on it. They put a, a roll cage in it, like a four point roll cage in it, and it, you know all the badging and the serial numbers and all the cool stuff in it. And it was. The first year was 92, and the cars were only marketed and sold to SAC Club members. You had to be a SAC Club member to get one of these. And then the second year, they're like, oh, we want to sell more of these, so we'll open it up beyond the SAC Club members. The first year was only the Mustang Fastback. It was only Wimbledon White with the blue stripe package on it. The next year, they did uh white black and red they did a handful of convertibles as well everything was a manual transmission except this is interesting so they said hey not everybody wants a manual transmission but the automatic transmission at the time couldn't effectively handle the power of the built motor and be warranted you know like you couldn't get you couldn't get that it's just the AOD transmission. Obviously, all of us had that had Fox bodies with the AOD, we got it to work. It was fine. Just Ford wouldn't cover it. So it was just a warranty issue. So SAC did one called the SAC Snake. It was a stock engine, but with <laughs> less expensive with an automatic transmission. And the funny thing is, is they made eight, only eight, SAC Snake cars, which is the stock motor, but nobody ordered it with the automatic transmission. So they those have also had the manual transmission. Yeah, so those still had the manual transmission, but people just got the less expensive version of the car, right? So the Sack cars, uh, they were expensive at the time, right? They were forty one thousand dollars, which is a, a lot of money for that guy. That was more than the Camaro at the time, and The 93 Cobra didn't come out yet, which is very similar. Uh, And when that came out, it was like $22,000. So this is $41,000. This is an expensive car. So the whole process didn't last long. I think they wanted to make about 250 cars, but they only made 65. Uh, That's what I heard. Somebody said 62, but I've been reading more and more. Only 65 cars were made total over the two years, the mock. the Mark 1, which was only the Wimbledon White, and then the Mark 2s, which were the other colors. There was no mechanical changes to it. It was just color changes. I remember being, I don't know, 15. I don't even know if I was driving yet. Uh, and a guy that was like the head of the Shelby Club, successful businessman, um, he bought one. He bought one and he's like, come check it out. Uh, and he was—he was a really, really nice guy. He bought one. I fell in love with the car. It was cool as shit. He put a Vortex supercharger on it, right? And then my brother and I had a Fox Body Mustang—that our first one. And we had an '89, but this was like '91, '92. Um, uh, and we were building that car up, and this is how he is—such a sweet guy. He must have spent. I don't know, at the time, 2500 bucks on a brand new Vortex supercharger, right? He put it on the vehicle, never really drove it. And then we went in one day and was like, man, I, this is such a cool car. I hope to build ours up that way. And he said, you know, I put the supercharger on my car and um, I decided I wanted the polished aluminum version instead of the cast aluminum version. And... He's like, Do you want it? I was like, Yeah, it's like I don't I don't know if I can afford it. And he was just like, Give me eight hundred bucks. <laughs> and I was like Oh my God, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll do it. I'm going to go. My brother and I were like working two jobs trying to get it. He sold us the supercharger. And we got it. We put it on, on the car that my brother and I were building. But he didn't have to do that. He could have just been like, this thing's brand new. I put it on the car. I took it off. I paid 2500 I get 2000 all day long for it. Like it's, super car easy. Guy. he was a car guy. He was just like, he, he just, he just loved it. And he just, he, I don't know. I think he just saw a couple of fifteen-year-old kids going, "Wow, man, you got the coolest collection of cars." He had early Shelby's and stuff in there, and just, you know, I think he just kind of liked th- that, and we really appreciated it. And here we are, you I know.
0: down, man. Yeah,
2: here we are, twenty years later, telling the story about this guy. What a cool guy this is. Um, so that's when I fell in love with the car, and I've been looking. You know, not every day, but I've been looking every year for 20 years, basically, trying to find one of these cars and get into a position where I can maybe buy one. And finally, I I found one. Uh, I found it on the East Coast. Um, At this point, I reached out to some friends and spoke to probably the two other people on Earth that are bidding on the car. And I said, "Hey, man, I know you got you saw this car," and he's like, "Yes, I saw it. I bid on it. We weren't able to make a deal." And I said, "Okay, I'm going to make an offer on the car, um, but certainly if you, I, I, I don't want to use this as a negotiating tactic either way. So if you want the car, you go ahead. You saw it first. Uh, you know, it's it's yours. I don't want to get into this bidding war." And he said, I just bought something else or he just put an order in for like the new Z06 Corvette or something like that. And he's like, I got a bunch of Mustangs and a really nice guy. And he's like, so I'm out. Go for it. And then I called up and we were able to make a deal. So I just bought myself another Fox body Mustang uh, with money I don't have and (laughs) buying shit that I don't need. But uh, you only live once. I'm excited about it. Um, I I, th- I think I bought it well. Um, I had to have it appraised uh, for uh, an insurance company, and the appraisal came in um, well above what I paid, which is good. And then as I made the deal on the phone, the Meekum auction just wrapped, and there was two... 93 Cobras, low miles. Uh, Don't quote me on it. One was like 800 miles. One was like, I don't know, 1,200 or 2,500 miles, low miles. (laughs) They both sold for $110,000 each. Okay? The SAC car, part of what killed that car was... Ford saw Sac or whatever the reason is but they saw that engine package and then so in 92 when they were building these cars in 93 Ford basically came out with the 93 Cobra for half the cost. So there was no way you'd buy the Sac car, right? Because the Cobra was essentially the same thing but done from the factory. I love the Cobra, but there's 5000 of those basically, yeah. right? So I just bought a version where there's only 65 of. I bought number 50 and I bought it well below the $110,000 that those two guys just paid for each of those Cobras. So I feel like this was well bought. Good job. I, I, don't, think, I don't think they're as widely known as the Cobra is. But uh, it's nice. It's fun. So here's the question. Here's the question I've been asking a few of my friends that have the big car collections. This car is not, you know, 400 miles, but it's not 15,000 miles. It's got 3,600 miles, you know, call it 3,700 miles. At 3,700 miles, and it being such a limited car, I get it. I don't want to drive it and put 15,000 miles on it, but I don't think there's going to be much difference between – Thirty seven hundred miles, or forty seven hundred, or five thousand. So if I drove it over, depends yeah, how long you. Yeah, let's just say if I was driving it to a couple events. There's a big Shelby meetup at, uh, at the Peterson Museum, or or something's going on, or whatever. Then you know it's you know fifteen miles round trip here and there, and doing this and that. And I don't know. Let's just say for the sake of 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 argument. I don't know, 500 miles, 300 miles a year. Uh, because listen, I it sounds like low miles, but the Mach 1 that I just bought, I've been driving it for months and then switching to press cars and driving my truck. And I got 1,200 miles on the car. I feel like I've had it since, I don't know, August. <laughs> you you know, want my
0: opinion? Yeah. The more cars you have, the less mileage you're going to put on 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 one given car, period. Oh. And right. So you're not saying
2: buy, buy more cars? Not,
0: <laughs> not saying buy another. No, no, but you have to look at it realistically. Look at it objectively. And this is just my opinion. I I believe you. Uh, how many miles are on the car? Thirty-seven hundred. Thirty-seven hundred. Yeah. I don't think you put let more than four thousand. You you shouldn't see the four on that car.
2: Oh, you're saying and, keep it under. Ever. Keep it under four. Okay. That's, okay. that's
0: just my opinion. I'd yeah. keep it under four because you say, oh, it's the, the car had 800 miles. The car had 1,500 miles. The two cars that sold at Meekum. that's huge. Because if if the miles were doubled, I, that had everything to do with them going over 100 grand.
2: Right, but keep in mind that obviously the low-mile car, assuming that went first, right, and it was like 800 miles and it got 110 grand, then the next one came up and the guy's like, oh, it's got twice as many miles on it, but I'm still willing to go 110 grand. So in their mind, there wasn't much difference between 800 and, I don't know, 1,200 miles. But, I, I mean, definitely I see your point. Now, there is a different...
0: My my favorite car is the charge is the wide body charger Daytona that I have. The, yeah. my favorite car. I haven't driven it one mile. Yeah. I'm not going to do. It. I'm not I, as much as I want to drive it. I'm not going to drive. It. I'm, I'm right. just not going to do it because it's it's a huge difference to a collector. It's it's huge. That that's just my opinion. No, now, especially I, when you're under five thousand miles.
2: I I do agree with you with sort of the plastic wrapped cars again i like to drive cars but like you said once you have enough cars you can have some in the collection that you don't drive but you know uh getting uh getting the demon and putting it up on the shelf you know up on the lift as a display car wrapped in the big plastic bubble right like that has basically no miles it's still wrapped in plastic that's super collectible right um you know, and, and occasionally when you find the car, come up at auction or bring a trailer where they're like, this car was never, you know, dealer prepped. It's got plastic on the seats and it's been 30 years and now it's $250,000 for a Grand National with no miles on it. Like, I, I I get those cars. But when you're talking about a few thousand miles, it 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 is driven. Like, you, you get underneath the car. This is the other thing I wanted to bring up was because it has been driven a little bit and it is a little bit, it it is an East coast car. Um, it's, it's gorgeous. It's maintained. Well, it was in a big car collection. Um, you know, it's a cool car. Obviously I'm very excited about it, but you know, the drive shaft, which is just exposed steel always gets a bit of that surface rust on it. The rear differential (laughs) always gets a little bit of that. Uh, uh, some of the bolts underneath, um, underneath the car that connect things to the, you know, to the unibody suspension mounting points to the unibody. Those are painted white, but once you tighten down the bolt, you can see a little bit of the surface rust where it scratches around, you know, the paint, you know, during the assembly process. So if you really want to detail it up, um, I don't know if anybody listening has done this yet. I don't know if you've done this yet, but um, the dry ice blasting. I've been looking more into this and these companies, you put the giant crazy hazmat suit on and the dry ice blasting really just um, takes all of that off and cleans everything. It's, it's, it's different than a, like a steam wash, right? Because it can uh, – I believe it can remove like rust and stuff and it just makes it gorgeous. Right. Uh, so I'm starting to look into that. So if anybody has done the dry ice blasting, uh, uh, let me know or or hit me up on social media. Send me some photos. What you thought? Um, is it worth the cost? I'm seeing prices anywhere from you know $800 to $2,500. I guess it really depends on how much you need to get done. I'm talking about the whole underside of the vehicle, suspension pieces, uh, you know, shocks, control arms, drive shaft, rear diff, like all of that. Um. So the question is: Is, is anybody done it? What do you think? Do you think it was worth it? Uh, probably find some sort of coating after the fact. Like, what do you spray on it to try to preserve it? I'm not saying like spray everything in a clear coat, but there's probably some like rust prohibitor. You know, um, maybe not an oil, but some sort of dry, you know, something film or lubricant that is transparent and kind of can. Cons- you know, spray on something along the lines of that. Um, curious. And then, you know, if there's a a company in LA that does that stuff, I'd be curious to know. I've been looking around. I think there's a guy in orange County that seems to be doing it, but trying to find somebody in LA. Yeah. To your point, I don't want to drive the car down to orange County and back to, to, uh, one to get it cleaned and then drive it back and then also put all the miles on on a trailer, put it on a trailer. But, um, Anyway, that's my story. I don't have the car yet. Uh we just did the deal and uh I gotta get it shipped out here and I'll uh I'll post some pictures and stuff up on my social media at Motorator, so you guys can take a look out of it at it. But good for you, my brother. I am excited about it. I gotta find out how to pay for it, but aside from that <laughs> to chop it away. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Hey, look, now the good news <laughs> is is I'm definitely going to Barry Jackson and uh with empty pockets. <laughs> <laughs> next way, uh, empty pockets. Sometimes next that week. doesn't work. I <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> just, just
0: just your presence there. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's a risk, but yeah, I'm just. Um,
2: all right, so that's uh, that's it. We're going we're gonna to wrap things up. Thanks, guys, and uh, appreciate it. And hopefully uh, Gage isn't getting in trouble in school today showing everyone pictures of the Bronco that you texted yeah. him during class.
0: I'm <laughs> never going to hear the end of it. <laughs> uh, of
2: all right, guys, until next week, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. Vroom, vroom.
1: Hey, GEICO, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting, you want to save some money? How about you bundle? Bundle your policies at GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, see just how much you could save at Geico. That is Geico.com today. That's Geico.com.